0: If you need a turnkey professional development and team building experience for your company or community, LeaderCast Events is your answer. We provide the guidance, technology, and entertaining CEU-accredited content for you to stream an in-person or virtual event for your team.
1: Welcome to the LeaderCast podcast, a weekly deep dive into the stories that transformed our guests into leaders worth following i'm your host joe boyd if you've been enjoying the podcast thank you so much for being a listener one simple thing you can do to help us out is to give a review on the app wherever you listen thanks welcome to the LeaderCast podcast today's guest is a genuine certified goat a greatest of all time one of the greatest left tackles to ever play in the nfl Anthony Munoz. In this episode, you will learn how he grew up fatherless and how that inspired his whole life. You will learn how the words of his brother, Joe, from when he was six years old, still ring in his ears, and also the one play in his whole career that he could change if he could. Let's do this. Anthony Munoz, welcome to the LeaderCast podcast, man. So glad you're here.
2: Well, thank you. Appreciate you having me. Looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, this is awesome and totally selfish of me. I'm based here in Cincinnati with you, lifelong Bengals fan, uh, which has had its ups and downs, but you were part of some of the ups. So thank you for that.
2: Oh, uh, and I tell you what, we, you know, the, the great thing about it is still living in Cincinnati, there's quite a few guys that i played with. So, you know, we, we've gone through some good times, bad times as players, some bad times, good times as, uh, as fans now, as former players. And, uh, and I think we're back to going through some good times now.
1: It's pretty fun right now, that's for sure.
2: Uh, It really is, I I tell you. you
1: Sorry to interrupt you. I I almost never do this because I'm not a big fan of just reading people's bios. Uh, But for the folks that might not know you, maybe they're not big football fans or whatever, uh, I just want to read this stuff and tell me if any of it's wrong. But uh, you're named to the NFL's all-time team, top 100 players. Started 164 of 168 games from 1980 to 1990. That's probably the craziest thing. You caught seven touchdown passes as a.
2: Actually, I caught seven passes for four touchdowns. Yeah.
1: Okay. That's a pretty good percentage, anyway. uh, (laughs) For a tackle, right? Uh, Eleven consecutive Pro Bowls, eleven consecutive All Pro teams. Only missed three games to injury. Man, uh, uh, you are the best, or one of the best at your position of of all time and uh it's an honor honor to have you here. I wonder uh you know I'm sure you you know that stuff and you've lived with it your whole life but at at at, at your current age and where you are when 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 people start to spout off your stats what what's what do you think of what's the first thing that goes through your head when you start hearing that stuff
2: Well it's you know gratefulness, uh, thankfulness and it's it's kind of still have to pinch myself, you know, when I when I hear those stats or when I, you know, when when you watch video. I say, was that really me out there playing? Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, because I think a lot of it, um, you know, from my college days, uh, not not a lot of the experts gave me a chance to go on because of injuries I suffered in college. So the fact that, you know, I was able to play 13 years with the Bengals and uh, only played one healthy season and four years at USC – and didn't miss a game until late my 11th year with the Bengals. And, uh, you know, played all 13 years relatively healthy other than that, uh, the couple games I missed. You know, it's, it's one of those things where I am very grateful that I had a chance. That the real, well, first of all, you know, that the Bengals gave me an opportunity to go to an NFL camp. Because like I said, I suffered my third knee injury my fourth year in college. So that was three and four years. And like I said, everybody had written me off. Um, I played one game my senior, came back and played in the Rose Bowl. And when it was all said and done, more than half the teams had failed me with my physical, but the Bengals took a chance and drafted me. Not only drafted me, but with the third pick in the entire draft. So I'm very grateful to them that uh, they, they saw something there and they took a chance because I think there was a lot – I really believe there was a lot of Bengals fans when they yeah. drafted <laughs> me that were scratching their head going, What? Is this organization doing drafting sure. a guy that can't stay healthy? Uh, yeah. So you know, I'm thankful that I had a chance. And, and really, after playing that one game my senior year, missing the entire season playing the Rose Bowl, I just wanted a chance to see if I could compete on the NFL level. Bengals gave me 13 years to compete with them. So
1: that's awesome, man. And, and uh, were you shot Like, I assume you thought you'd get drafted, but did were you thinking third overall, or was that <laughs> a shock to you when you got the call?
2: Well, again, you know, it was interesting because before my senior year, they were projecting me as a top five pick. After I got hurt, they said maybe not even playing, maybe a free agent. So the fact that I played in that Rose Bowl and I did well and I stayed healthy, I didn't really know what was going to happen. Uh, You know, I went to the combines and I was like always the last guy coming out of the medical examination. So really there was – I had no idea. I mean, because – You know, some guys were saying no, some guys were saying maybe. So all I was, uh, you know, praying for was that I would get a chance. So I was hoping that I would get a call at least one of the two draft days saying, hey, you've been drafted. If not, maybe a team would be interested in signing me as a free agent, which would be a tough go. So, you know, going into the draft back then, I really had no idea. Didn't have a clue what was going to happen. But of course, uh, you know, That uh, first 10 minutes of the draft happened to be an amazing time.
1: That's all. I mean, it's hard to think of someone that's one of the very best in their position of all time that didn't know if they were going to get drafted. Maybe Tom Brady in there. Uh, But uh, that's pretty rare. That's impressive.
2: Yeah. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, the three knee injuries were were pretty much being in the wrong place at the wrong time. I mean, guys hitting me, falling on my knee. So, um, you know, the crazy thing, and this is kind of a funny side story. Four years in college, one healthy year, played all the way through my sophomore year. But four summer camps, you know, in the four years, I didn't miss a practice. I went through every practice summer camp. <laughs> and then, of course, you have spring practice in college. And I went through all the spring practices. So my buddies would say, hey, if you're going to get hurt, get hurt in camp. You know, that's the toughest part of the season. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so I'm thankful that I had all that training. I mean, I was able to go through and I had a great offensive line coach there at USC, so with all the four camps and four spring practice, you know, sessions, uh, but not a whole lot of game reps. So, you know, people kind of still, you know, hear that and can't believe it because it is really kind of unbelievable. But I'm, you know, I'm thankful that I, I had that chance. And so once that Bengals drafted me, it was okay. Now I got to prove that, that that pick was worth it. And, uh, you know, the work ethic and the working out just, went to another level and I I worked out year round to make sure that my body was, you know, tip top shape. And I didn't have to worry about conditioning that I just worried about, you know, strategy and and the technique part of the game. So, uh, you know, you learn a lot, you know, through adversity and and I'm thankful. I wouldn't trade it for anything.
1: Yeah, for sure. Hey, uh, one of the things I love to do on this podcast is just, uh, I'm way into like good stories and what makes a good story. And, and I think we're all living out, a story and and when we reflect on it most of us can see uh see the goodness in it and how it's all worked out uh if if I could take you kind of back to your uh your childhood like i'm i'm really interested in uh your early ambitions and i know uh i i read a little that you had a, a kind of a rough uh childhood with your dad not being around and stuff but when you were a little kid what what were you dreaming of was it football or was it something else
2: yeah, it wasn't really football. So, you know, my mom did raise five of us by herself. I never knew my dad. My dad was in prison. Most of the time I was growing up, he passed away. I never met him. Never. You know, I heard indirectly he had passed away after he got out of prison. But uh, so mom raised five kids. I, I had two older brothers and two younger sisters. I lost a brother, lost a sister in the last couple of years. So I'm in the middle. So my, my childhood dream was uh, at the age of six with two older brothers, I started playing baseball. And I saw that I'd been given a gift on the baseball diamond. And uh, so I was going to be a pro baseball player from the age of six, even through high school. I had a dream of playing in the major leagues. And, uh, you know, that dream, once I got to high school, got closer, you know, I was a three-year starter at third base on the varsity team, three-time All-State, even though football was, you know, still kind of there. And uh, I tell people I was All-State three years in baseball and two in football. Uh, But I really, the recruitment started to come in football, to go to school and play football uh, across the country, just about anywhere I wanted to. But still with my eyes focused on if I go to college and play football, get my school paid, will they let me play baseball too? And uh, so that was my dream to continue to play. But yeah, so I... It wasn't to be an NFL football star. It was to play in the major leagues, either to play third base or to pitch in the major leagues. So that was my focus growing up as a kid.
1: Did you play baseball at USC or just football?
2: I did. Actually, uh, that, they, they allowed me. They, you know, they said, hey, come play football, come to school, and we'll let you play baseball. And it wasn't just a recruiting pitch. They had a track record of letting guys play both if they were capable. And yeah. fortunately, uh, the one healthy year that I would, you know, that I made it through football. I played baseball the one year. Uh, and the great thing about it uh, that same year, we won a national championship in football and I got to go to the world series and win a, a ring uh, on a national championship baseball team. So for baseball, it was one and out and got a ring right. <laughs> I played I for Rod Dato, who was an amazing college coach. I had, I think he had 11 or 12 national championships as a coach there at USC. Um, so yes, yeah, so I did, they stuck to their, uh, their promises and said, Hey, come here and uh, you'll get to play football and baseball and I got to do that for at least one year
1: love it I and you you famously have a, a permanently dislocated pinky I know right that you <laughs> yeah, so if you'd you played know, baseball you'd probably still have that 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 healthy pinky you know
2: you, you know what it would be in the glove all the time and I it wouldn't be uh you know trying to stop 200 200- 50, 280 pound defensive end, and it would be straight instead of going <laughs> down. So, uh, yeah, it, it might still be straight if I just uh, stuck in baseball uh, completely.
1: <laughs> well, as a Cincinnati native, I'm glad you played football. Um, was there, when you were a kid, apart from sports, was there like, I like to ask this question. It doesn't always relate to everyone, but were there any like adventure stories that really captivated you, like movies or comic books or cartoons or anything like that that? that you, you resonated with any stories? You know
2: what? <laughs> yeah. You know, I watched all, you know, all the things I watched Superman and, you know, all the, the different, you know, uh, superheroes. And I love that. But you know, for me, I enjoyed reading, but I really enjoyed reading autobiographies of, uh, athletes. I mean, you know, okay. I, I, it was one of those things where I was just intrigued, kind of like we're talking here about who they are as people, what yeah. they did, you know, once they hit the professional ranks and that's what I enjoyed. I enjoyed reading about people's stories, kind of what we're talking about here and learning about people and uh, really learning what makes them tick, what, what motivates them. Um, so, you know, as far as um, heroes, I mean, you know, I had some teachers and coaches that I looked up to, but yeah. uh, you know, it was, um, and again, I didn't have nowadays as a, a retired athlete as one that played. we have a lot of contact with young people through my foundation, doing camps, and really never experienced that with pro athletes growing up, you know, in my area. Um, It was more kind of relatives, you know, my uncle, my mom was one of 10. So it was my uncles that kind of stepped in. It was a baseball coach that I met when I was seven years old. I have a 57 year relationship with them now. And he was my high school baseball coach, Jim Seymour. So it was those type of individuals that really those were the kind of superheroes. Those are the ones that showed me what work ethic was all about. When mom showed us work ethic and responsibility and coach Seaman taught us how to play a sport to the highest level, but doing it with character and integrity. Those are the type of, you know, superheroes that I had, you know, growing up as a, as a kid and uh, got really excited about uh, what they were all about. So, you know, it um, th- I guess that's uh, how it kind of started for me in Ontario, yeah. California.
1: What's your baseball coach's name? The one you've known for fifty-seven years? Jim
2: Seaman. Actually, I met him when I was seven. He had just finished his masters at USC, and he actually pitched. He was a baseball player, pitched on the nineteen sixty-one national championship baseball team. So when I got to high school and met him, uh, we had that in after I graduated from college. After we had that in common, I pitched on one national championship team. He pitched on another. So you know, when I get back, I, I was just out in California not long ago and uh visit family and i always go by and jim uh, see jim he <laughs> lost his wife a couple of years ago and they'd been married 57 years and he's struggling physically right now but uh we go i go by and we we reminisce and you know he was usually coming out every summer to my foundation dinner but he hasn't been able the last couple of years so every time i talk to him i say, I say you got to get ready man you got to Make it back to Cincinnati. Everybody's waiting to see you again. Because for like 15 years in a row, him and his wife were coming out every summer to our dinner. And uh, yeah. so, yeah. But uh, those are the, you know, Jim is, is a, and he's really impacted a lot of young men like myself that played for him. You know, he was a gym PE teacher and a baseball coach for like 30 plus years. And uh, a lot of us that grew up that way, I mean, he taught a lot of us some, some valuable lessons. And Not only myself, but other young men that he coached.
1: I love that man. We have a lot of uh, like high school teachers and coaches that listen to this podcast and are part of LeaderCast, and that's like the front line of leadership. Sometimes we don't think about that when we think about leadership, maybe, but that they they listen to this and they need it. And I I like to ask, so like in business world, we use the term coach sometimes, and sometimes people hire a business coach. But you actually lived in a world where there were like real, like you had actual coaches. That was their job. That was and and he was one of your first uh but when you think about being coached up are, whether it was him or anyone else are there any voices that live in your head to this day that you can kind of when you're going through something any of those coaches kind of uh, do you do they kind of talk to you as you go and keep coaching you through life
2: well here, here's um here's one phrase that i heard it when i was about six seven years old um you don't have to talk about your abilities if you're good enough people will talk about you, just go out and get it done. And that was my older brother, Joe, when I was learning baseball, he, you know, that Hmm. was little did I know that was the beginning of learning work at hard work, but being humble humility. Uh, So I think that phrase above just about all of them stand out in my mind is, you know, you don't have to talk about how good you are. You know, people, if you're good enough, people will talk about you. You just go out and do the job you know, yeah. and get it done. And so to me, I've been able to carry that in school, athletics, you know, community work, you know, as a husband, as, you know, just get it done. I mean, you know, if you're, you know, that's why accolades are so uncomfortable at times because right. I realize that you can't do it alone. You know, the funny thing that that I chuckle about and I share this, you hear self-made person a lot, self-made uh-huh. man. Self- so this self-made person, when they get an accolade, they go in front of a group, they've given this accolade, and they get up there to accept the accolade or the gift or whatever. And what do they do? They, they have two or three sheets of, of, of paper in front of them thanking all the people that have helped them get to where – if they're self-made, they wouldn't have needed all, all these, you know, right. all the right. support group. So yeah. uh, to me, that's, that's what was exciting about me is I had – you know, when I went back to my high school, when I was in college or either in the pros – afterwards, but you know, as I get older, we start losing some of those teachers. I would go back to the science building because there was my science teacher, Ted Reeves. In fact, I just got an email from Ted Reeves uh, last week. You know, I'd go back and see him because not only did I have him, but I was a a, a science you know aide in in one of his you know classes. And then I would go back to home ec and see Mrs. You know, Marilyn Thalkin, who was my home ec teacher, we lost her several years ago because of the impact. You know, as a kid, we had to learn everything. We learned how to wash clothes, wash, you know, iron clothes. We learned how to cook. So I was kind of a hand up. But, you know, when I got to high school and had to you know go through cooking class, because uh, I'd already had, you know, all this experience growing up at home at learning how to cook.
1: Yeah. Out of you were uh, you were marrying yeah, so- material, man.
2: Well, I'll tell you what, then I married married Dee 44 years ago, and she's an amazing cook. So I I don't have to cook now because she's a great cook. But, you know, it's those teachers and coaches that, like, you're right, that have that, know they're teachers, they're going to teach you, but also get it and know they can have an impact on the students they teach. And that's what I experienced with my, you know, a lot of my coaches and teachers. Yeah.
0: Empower yourself and your team to tackle some of the most difficult leadership challenges and grow professionally with LeaderCast Now. The LeaderCast Now app, an online platform, provide you access to more than 1,000 video lessons to help you navigate issues like change management, remote working guidelines, emotional intelligence, workplace conflict, negotiating, and more. Visit LeaderCastNow.com for more info.
1: I love we talked about your uh, injuries at USC. Uh one of the things I love to to hear is uh, kind of the obstacles that stood in your way. Maybe that was the main one, but there might be others. And uh in story-like language, I like to think about them as like a dragon, like we're all on an adventure to get to yeah. get our treasure. Um, yeah. and our treasure usually ends up being like family or relationship, even though we think it's gonna be something else. Yeah. Uh like that. but uh what when I when I use that phrase, what was what were the dragons that stood in your way that stopped you from yeah. getting what you wanted? What comes to mind when you think of it that way?
2: Well, you know, it's interesting because a lot of times people think, you know, certain things, um, but the adversity I went through, I think the dragons a lot and it could become this way for a lot of I think are the words that are being spoken. You know, I talked about it earlier after my, you know, each injury, it was like, okay, think about maybe something else to do. Then after my third injury, well, you can't do this. Think about there's no way you'll play in the NFL. So do you believe those dragons, those words? I mean, that, you know, can just pierce through your heart when you hear that, or is it just another obstacle that you overcome and you say, okay, okay. People are saying this, but I know that's not the truth. I think mm-hmm. not believing the lies of those words or those dragons. I think for me in those four years of college, that those were my dragons. We're not believing what other people were saying, uh, and just saying, "Hey, if I don't make it, it's not going to be because of lack of work ethic or lack of preparation. It's going to be because I just people don't want to take a chance, or maybe I just don't have the ability." I've worked extremely hard. So I think for me during my adversity was not buying into the lies of other people and the dragons that, or the, you know, the lies that we tell ourselves and saying, hey, I don't know if I can do this. Am I good enough to do this? Maybe I'm not good enough to do it. Instead of saying, no, I am good enough to do this. I'm going to work hard enough and not believe what they're saying. So I think as I look at it, those were probably a lot of my dragons in those four years at USC that I had to overcome. And sometimes they were baby dragons. Sometimes they 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 shot some pretty big flames.
1: <laughs> they, yeah, they were ready to get you. Uh, that makes me just wonder. I, I you know I've, I'm a very visual guy, so I'm like imagining all these people sort of giving you this kind of negative feedback. Yeah. There obviously also had to be people that were saying, "Don't believe that," right? Like, did did you have that in your life? Did you have? Or was it all like internal? You just had to find it in yourself. Did you well, have people tell? You
2: know, it's interesting because those who know me know that, you know, my spiritual part is, is the main thing with my life, my my faith. And to me, I entered in my faith journey as a sophomore in college. So that really helped me, you know, God's truth helped me not believe the lies. You know, so though I had God's truth, but then I, I had other teammates that, We're like-minded. We were in studies together. My wife, I got married my sophomore year. So she was one of those that was sitting next to me, you know, really encouraging me. But you're right. You know, you have those that are naysayers, but then you have those supporters that are saying, hey, you can do it. I've seen your work ethic. I've seen your ability. Just keep working hard. And sometimes I'm sure they looked at me and said, keep working hard. You can do it, but you're a little crazy. <laughs> you're, you're nuts, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, which is fine. I, you know, when it's all said and done, there's a few people that come up and said, man, you know, we saw how you were working and we're thinking you're a little nuts, but uh, if anybody can do it, you can do it. <laughs> so, you know, I had all that. I had the, you know, the lies that I couldn't believe, but then I had the truth in my, in my life that I had to really focus on that. And uh, and yeah. that's really what got me through then and continues to get me through, through life.
1: You know, I've, uh, you know, I used to be a pastor and have a faith background myself. And I, I think, I think part of what that gives you is uh, you can go for it. And even if you don't get it, it's okay. Cause you know, this, exactly. this is what I want, but it's not everything, you know, and that's you're the right. best, the most successful people have a way of still going for it and having that yeah. ambition, but knowing it's okay. <laughs> I'll yeah. be all right. You know, you're right.
2: And, and the thing I tell people, I think some people, if, April 29th, 1980, if I wouldn't have gotten a call by the Bengals or wouldn't have had a chance, I truly believe if I had to go another direction, I would have been successful. I just yeah. – because of the lessons I learned about myself, about other people, and what I learned, you know, as we shared growing up, my mentors, I mean, I just – I had the confidence. And if it meant, you know, now being my 40th year coaching high school or, you know, 35th year teaching or being this – I really, but you're right. It was like, I really wanted to do this, play football, but if it didn't, I was okay because of the su- support group, my faith and the work ethic that I learned.
1: Yeah. Awesome, man. I want to, we got a few minutes left. I want to make sure we talk a little bit about the foundation and what you're doing now. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, to get there, I would like, one, so I've had like three different careers in my life, but uh, every time I thought it was the thing I was going to do forever each time. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, one of the interesting things to me about uh, professional athletes is even if we even if you believed on draft day, you were going to be a Hall of Famer and have a 13 year career. That's not very long you know at, right. at like did you think about that or were you just so focused it didn't matter but did did it come into your mind like i obviously can't do this forever so what am i going to do after this
2: well i think i had a, a perspective of this game could be taken one play as it was for 3 years in college i mean yeah i mean i'm moving right along boom i get her seasons over moving boom, boom so i had that perspective i knew that was a but In preparing for each year, I busted, but I started to kind of look at other things. My fourth year in the league, I went to real estate school, got my real estate Mm -hmm. license and teamed up with two other guys and we started a building company. Um, You know, so I tried to really, uh, seven, was it my last seven years of playing in the NFL? I did high school football on radio Friday nights. And you know how big high school (laughs) football is here. Um, So it was actually during the strike year, I went to cut a spot at a local radio station. The guy was doing high school football games. He said, hey, you're not doing anything this weekend. Come do some (laughs) football with me. I said, all right, let me call you back. So it started. And all of a sudden, seven years after, I'm doing high school football on radio. And I loved it. So what happens after I retire? I can either go into coaching, but I went into broadcasting. So I did that for seven years after I retired. So you're right. 13 years 15 years you're still a young guy i mean you know yeah. now they're talking about these kids coming out of college early at 21 and well we were all 21 when we got to the nfl because you know i graduated high school at 17 four years of college so you know 13 14 years you're 34 35 uh but i started to think about that uh and, and really wanted to make sure that you know that i had something else to do after i retired uh, you know, I wasn't a golfer, so I wasn't playing golf. And uh, eventually I did end up playing golf. But uh, yeah, so I've had a, a lot of great opportunities, especially now with uh, you know, the foundation, a couple of small companies. I think that during the playing days, not only what I learned as a player, but what I learned in you know going back to school and being a little bit in the business community, uh, you know, because you, you look at it, and I tell a lot of people, 21 years old, I get here, retired. 35, 14 years, my classmates at USC, 14 years of business. So right. they got a little yeah. bit of a jump on us, right? Yeah. So now all of a sudden we retired 35 and we're thinking, okay, what do we do? You know, they're, so you, you know, you, again, you get, I positioned myself with mentors, business people, people that I could, you know, pick their brains and really learn from just like I did for 21 years as an offensive lineman. As you, I had a coach who taught me technique. So now, non-for-profit business, I wanted a coach to teach me. And that's what's been fun for me the last, you know, 30 years uh, you know, or 20, you know, yeah, 30 years that I've been retired is the things I've learned outside of the game.
1: Yeah. This has been so great, man. I always end with two questions. The first one, it's kind of serious. The second one, I try to make it fun. We'll see if it works. Yeah. Uh, but for the serious one, like, I, I know your faith is very important to you. I know uh, that. Uh, kids uh, growing up in a way where they have coaching is important to you. Um, Tell me a little bit about why you're doing the foundation, what it's about and if if there's any help you need or anything people can do that listen to this.
2: Yeah. So the foundation started eight years after I retired, which people like, really? I said, yeah. So when I was playing being an NFL football player, a husband, a father, and then to do a foundation, I, I don't think I could have totally engaged with the foundation. So I helped a lot of groups, as many as I could. I made myself available. After I retired, I had two kids. They were going through high school. And then they went on to, to college, to school and play sports. So when they're like sophomores, juniors in college, I knew they'd soon graduate. Uh, and I, for eight years, I'm putting this plan together. And I uh, had some CEOs come to me constantly saying, let's do something, let's do something. So I always wanted to give back. And you know, when I first... Thought about it. I saw all these great groups and all the great work. I had these programs I want to do, and it was all about giving back. You know, mm. I had a chance to, to really experience a great you know career and blessed, and, and so I wanted to give back. So, but the more I think about it, not only did I want to give back, use the platform to you know help young people like I was helped. We talked about it. I mean, we didn't have, we never had a car. We had to walk. We had to you know get rides from other people maybe one parachute a year. I mean, we were not that well off, but coaches, teachers, organizations stepped in and allowed me to get a new baseball glove, some new baseball cleats. And that's what I wanted to do. You know, um, when I started the foundation is just wanted to help out young people. And uh, so pay it forward, but then it ends up being, you're honoring those that helped you. You know, I look at it as a way of honoring my mom, Jim, Coaches, teachers, and those people that poured into my life and saying that, man, we poured into his life and hopefully we made a difference. And now he gets it. He wants to do the same thing. So, you know, I've been fortunate to establish an amazing team. And I look at the community as being part of the team, my staff, volunteers, my board. uh, You know, so it's just, I was on a much smaller team with the Bengals. Now I'm on a, on a really big team here in the greater Cincinnati area, and, uh, and I love it. And that's why I started the foundation is that I saw there were very talented young men and women, and all they needed was maybe a, you know, some confidence, maybe some assistance in going to college or maybe teaching them a little bit about character that's going to make them stand up and say, yeah, I can be a leader. I can do the right thing. And uh, so that's why we do what we do.
1: I love it, man. That's, it's it's uh, obvious that that was in you the whole time, you know, and that, that God has allowed you to do that is, uh, is well, I'm
2: awesome. I'm thankful. Very thankful for that.
1: All right. Here's my one, my one question. I think what I've landed on is this. Uh, you can go back in time. But you can't change anything. Right. <laughs> you get to relive just one play of your whole career in wow. real time and experience it again. What's the one play you would want to relive?
2: The one play that I want to relive is that in Super Bowl twenty-three, the 49ers have a third and 16, and they either make the first down or they don't. We take over and we win the game. Is that Joe Montana throws an incomplete pass to Jerry Rice, <laughs> and we end up with one Super Bowl ring because we <laughs> – that's probably the only, one of the few things I would change – is that, you totally you know, broke
1: the rules by changing it, but as a Bengals fan, I, I, I had to. I, I, it. Uh, I will take it too. I'm glad. That, I'm glad that our city has a ring now because we did <laughs> yes. that play. Uh, that was I was a little kid, but man, that that was killer. Uh, yeah, it was. Thank you so much, man. This has been uh, so great. You're you're a good person and and uh, a leader here in our city. Uh, it's an honor to share the city with you and to see all the great things you do. And I really appreciate your time today.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I enjoyed it and uh, appreciate what you all do and look forward to talking again and working together again.
1: Yeah. Okay, Anthony. We'll see you around. Thanks so much.
2: Take care. Have a great day. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.
0: Leadership is a team sport, but team sports are hard. That's why our team is so passionate about helping companies and communities develop leaders and teams that trust each other to do the hard work together. One of the easiest ways to develop your teams and leaders is to stream a half-day or full-day LeaderCast event for your workplace or community. World-class content that is thought-provoking and activating. Visit us at LeaderCast.com to find out more.